You're listening to episode 72 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Today on the podcast, I want to bring you another article from the blog. This is an article I released last week talking about some of the struggles that I faced in pastoring and writing due to a health condition. It's actually a tick-borne illness that you'll learn about in the episode. I hope it's not just information about me, but also a motivation to help you press on and be faithful when pastoring or writing or really when just living the Christian life is not always as easy as it may seem. Also, we've just got two more weeks left to join the C.S. Lewis book giveaway. I'm giving away 22 books, 20 of them written by C.S. Lewis, as well as Gary Selby, who I've had on the podcast's book about Lewis's theology, as well as a C.S. Lewis biography. So if you haven't already signed up, you can go to pastorwriter.com slash C.S. Lewis or go to pastorwriter.com and you'll see it there on the homepage. I love doing these book giveaways and somebody's going to win a lot of C.S. Lewis books. Why not you? So take a chance to sign up. Today's episode is one I'd really love to get your feedback on. So if it impacts you or you find it interesting, leave me a message on Twitter, Facebook, or send me an email. I love being able to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening. Today's episode is entitled, God Honors Excellence, But I'm Allergic to Meat. And yes, you heard that correctly. Can you imagine if Ron Swanson woke up to discover he was suddenly allergic to meat? No steaks, no brats, no bacon, no cheeseburgers. Can you imagine his reaction? It would have made for a great episode, but maybe it sounds too far-fetched to be real. Believe it or not, a meat allergy is a real thing, and I was as horrified to discover that I had it as Ron Swanson would have been. Two years ago, I developed what I thought was strep throat. I found myself with a cough and having trouble swallowing, but quickly it worsened into headaches and then dizziness and then hives. Hives on my chest, back, arms, even my face. The doctors were confident that I was having some form of an anaphylactic reaction, but we couldn't determine to what. I had never been allergic to anything, not even poison ivy. I didn't even know what hives looked like until I had them for the first time. And we tried everything. I changed soap brands and laundry detergents and the vitamins that I was taking, but for three weeks, I continued to deteriorate. Each afternoon, I would be laying in my underwear, under the fan, dizzy, short of breath, and miserable with hives all over my body. But believe it or not, things actually got much worse. I finally started to notice that when I ate beef, my reactions were more severe the next day. I was confused by it and searched online, can you be allergic to meat? To my dismay, I discovered the recent spread of a tick-borne illness known as alpha-gal, the mammalian meat allergy. It didn't take me long to remember. A few weeks before the symptoms, I had removed two ticks from my legs after shooting handguns in the woods at my parents' house. The doctor soon confirmed what I feared. I had alpha-gal. Goodbye, cheeseburgers. But it gets worse. They say the disease can fade after a period of 10 to 15 years. That is a long time without a steak. It's hard to articulate how massive this dietary change has been for me. I'm a bacon cheeseburger kind of guy. I also love to hunt. Since I was 10 years old, I haven't missed a deer season. I usually process the deer myself. The day a fresh venison backstrap hits the grill is one of the best days of the year for me. Now, that same piece of meat is likely to send me to the emergency room. Technically, alpha-gal is an autoimmune condition. There's a carbohydrate common to mammals which humans don't have. The current theory is that a tick's bite somehow introduces this carbohydrate into your body, your immune system recognizes it as a threat, and creates a plan for eliminating it. 
The next time you meet and digest more of this alpha-gal, your immune system recognizes it again and now attacks your body. Over the last two years, this disease has laid waste to my immune system and has caused me to develop additional food sensitivities I didn't have before. This past year, I also began to experience more debilitating migraines. These migraines became so severe, I started to develop neurological symptoms. I had trouble formulating sentences and ordering words and remembering basic details. So, for example, one Sunday at the close of service, I wanted to read through the Beatitudes. I know the Beatitudes are found in Matthew chapter 5. Usually that's easy recall, like remembering the Pledge of Allegiance or the last year the St. Louis Cardinals won the World Series. But this time, I just stood there flipping through my Bible, completely unable to remember even where to start looking for the Beatitudes. It really is hard to describe it. I wasn't sure which book of the Bible to even open. Genesis, Habakkuk, Corinthians. I mean, it really was that bad. To my embarrassment, I finally, after a long, awkward pause, just had to ask my congregation, where are the Beatitudes? Thankfully, most of them knew how sick I had been and were incredibly gracious, but something was obviously wrong. After more than three hours in an MRI, an appointment with a neurologist, I was finally diagnosed with what the neurologist called complex migraines. These are migraines which present neurological symptoms similar to a stroke, sometimes with or without the headache even. The doctor wanted to put me on long-term migraine medication, but we were unable to find one which did not contain gelatin, which is a mammal byproduct. So the solution was to become even more aggressive with my dietary restrictions. No mammal, no dairy, no sugar, no gluten, and the elimination of a long list of individual foods which, after testing, showed signs of stimulating my immune system. I have now terrified many men from ever going into the woods again. And to the complete humiliation of my previous self, I eat a lot like a vegan these days. I haven't deer hunted in two years now. If you listen to the Pastor Writer podcast, you might have noticed that my battle with AlphaGal coincides with the launch and growth of this podcast. It was actually just a few months after I began working on the Samson book, my first manuscript, when the disease hit. I cannot tell you how discouraging it has been to find myself struggling with words and energy and migraines during the same season in which I had hoped to spend more time and energy on preaching, writing, and this podcast. Does God bless excellence? As a pastor, writer, and podcaster, mental clarity is everything for me. Um, one of my favorite writing coaches who's been a guest on the podcast, Mick Silva, he once explained to me that good writing is good thinking, and I couldn't agree with him more. It's also true of good podcast interviews and good sermons and pastoring a congregation well. I depend on my ability to formulate and articulate coherent thoughts. Yet, as I have often heard pastors say, God honors excellence, and I've always wanted to be excellent. I want to preach excellent sermons and write excellent articles and produce an excellent podcast. So much seems to depend on that excellence, success and progress and all the future opportunities, even God's blessing. But there were now very few days I could call myself excellent, not nearly what I had hoped for. How could God, just when everything seemed to be taking off, the church, my writing, the podcast, how could he allow me to develop a disease which put me at my absolute worst? How do you grow a church when you know you're nowhere near the best that you could be? How do you keep writing when you know it's not what it could be? Is it even worth continuing? Maybe the most painful realization has been its impact on me as a father and husband. I want to be a great dad, an excellent one. And to my shame, there have been days I have been far less than that. That's a hard thing to reconcile, harder still to understand by faith. 
This was not how things were supposed to go, not in my 30s, and not when my vision and productivity and energy were supposed to be at their best. I know I'm not the only one who wrestles with questions like these. For some of you, it's also sickness. For others of you, it's loss or doubt, maybe conflict or shame, some form of addiction or depression. The disappointment of our condition can be crushing. We live in the age of obsessive enhancement, self-care, self-help, self-improvement. We must always be improving. To toss in another pastoral cliche, if you're not growing, you're dying. As pastors, we strive to keep the improvement happening. And as writers, we want to grow bigger platforms. As a family, we want happiness and those perfect family portraits. But what do you do when you aren't improving? When excellence seems so far out of reach? Does God honor barely making it through a day? The fruit of sickness. At some point, I came across these words by the Catholic priest Henry Nouwen. We have been called to be faithful. Not successful. Not productive not accomplished. Success comes from strength, stress, and human effort, but faithfulness comes from vulnerability and the admission of our own weakness. Now, those were kind words considering most of my life was starting to feel like a public display of my weakness. My congregants got a fresh showing of it every Sunday morning in my sermons. When I think about pastoring and writing, it's so easy for my mind to feel with expectations for the future a growing congregation, a book contract, a sense of having finally made it. I want to see the progress and track the results and feel the energy of it all. With such worthy ideals pulling me into each day's work, a migraine felt like a major setback, and three days of migraines felt like I had missed the whole opportunity. But now it forced me to ask a much different question. What might be the fruit of my sickness? And how might it make me a better pastor, writer, and even father? Honestly, I haven't been able to answer that question fully, but I have begun to see signs of a new kind of maturity. I understand my congregants' suffering in ways I didn't before. I've been forced to pursue my writing at a pace God and my physical condition set for me. I pray more. I hope more. I'm not so sure that there's always a one-to-one correlation between our suffering and its fruit, as if I could connect every allergic reaction with some future moment of individual blessing. A migraine doesn't guarantee the next day's patience. Instead, our moments of suffering have more to do with the long-term trajectory of who we are becoming. This disease has changed me. It's changed my diet. It's changed my body. It's impacted my relationships and my ministry. But maybe the thing that has changed the most is my sensitivity. No, it's not because I'm now basically a vegan. That's not the sensitivity I have in mind. It's a sensitivity to my daily dependence on God. I can't guarantee a clear mind for tomorrow. I can only be faithful to what is put in front of me for today, and I can only do that work in the condition of today. The truth is, I'm rarely at my best. Yet these days, I don't think about my best nearly as much as I used to. I've grown far more interested in faithfulness. I wonder what years of this sickness might produce in me. It has, in an ironic way, already made me healthier. I eat healthier than I ever have before. But I also wonder if it might cultivate a wisdom and a voice which speed and excellence never could have. Might I be a better pastor for it? Might I write things I otherwise never could have? Might it deepen my relationships with my wife and friends? In the end, there's a kind of grace in it. Hard to see when my eyes are blurry from a migraine, but at other times so obvious. God is doing something. His plans and paths are wiser than mine. 
And if he can work a crucifixion for my good, how much easier an allergic reaction? Finding your own fruit. If I could offer any prayer for your suffering, it would rightfully be for God to alleviate it. But I would also add the request, however long it persists, that you might discover a deeper contentment and grace through it. I would pray for a kind of depth to develop in your weakness that might open your eyes to a joy discovered by no other means. I would pray for fruit, fruit sweetened by the adversity of your condition, like a wild berry, persistent through frost, protected and guarded by thickets, ripened only by time. There is no other way to produce such fruit, and to the one who manages to find it, there's no better taste. Might it be that the truest excellence is a grace we discover, not one we can pursue or achieve? To quote from Eugene Peterson, The way of Jesus cannot be imposed or mapped. It requires an active participation in following Jesus as he leads us through sometimes strange and unfamiliar territory in circumstances that become clear only in the hesitations and questions, in the pauses and reflections where we engage in prayerful conversation with one another and with Him. After all, we are not just learning how to think right about God. For that, we would enroll in a class so that we could concentrate, protected from distractions. And we are not just practicing ways to behave right before God. For that, we would go to a training camp set up for behavioral modification that would provide the necessary protection from interruptions. We cannot remove ourselves from the way in order to have more favorable conditions for learning the way. We are already on the way, acquiring insights and developing habits of obedience, following Jesus in our homes and neighborhoods and workplaces, gradually and incrementally maturing in the way, so that who we are and what we do is realized coherently and comprehensively. I wanted to say thanks for listening to today's episode. I posted this article about a week ago on the website, and I've been really overwhelmed with the number of writers and listeners who have reached out to me to talk about their own chronic health conditions and how it's impacted them in ministry and writing and even as a Christian. I would love to be able to hear from you about it as well. Maybe you're like that, struggling with some sort of condition, or maybe you know someone who has. Um, if I can be an encouragement, I would love to. If maybe you're posting it could encourage others, please join that conversation and participate. The best way for you to do that is either on Twitter or Facebook, or if you want to privately, you can always send me a message through chase at pastorwriter.com, my email address. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen. And as always, until next time.